nervous because it's an opportunity to be really open and vulnerable. Sure. And that's not maybe. something you're excited about, perhaps. <laughs> or maybe you are. Who knows? Um, we're back with our human experience. And uh, today, it's Melissa and I. We're sitting here. We do not have a guest. And we're going to do the first episode of a two-part series. It was something that, that we discussed a couple weeks ago that we started this podcast with the premise of sharing human experiences, both our own and guests that come on, in hopes that they resonate with some of you, in hopes that they are something that you can relate to or learn from, and that there's something that you can pull from each time you listen that either gives you a little bit of confidence into the things that you are doing or potentially gives you some some new context or skills that you could apply to your own life. And the discussion centered around the idea that we never actually fully introduced ourselves. And so this first episode of these of these two episodes in this little mini series, I'm going to interview Melissa about her life, about how she got to to where we are today and then the next time around the tables will be turned and she'll get to poke and prod at me <laughs> so without further ado melissa suzanne curtis oh come on <laughs> tell me about yourself um no seriously just a real brief kind of introduction of who you are in this moment, just so people can can get to know you a little bit, and then we'll start to dig in with some more specific questions around your life and your experiences. Sure. So I grew up on Long Island. I am the oldest of three girls, um, three living girls. I had one sister that passed away, and we can talk about that. Um, I grew up in a house that many people referred to as a sitcom, cookie-cutter, family. I came from two parents that are still together. I think they love each other on most days. <laughs> um, although as I get older, I'm learning more about their relationship. Um, but yeah, they they legitimately still love each other. They're a great representation of what longevity. They're married 38 years. Um, I grew up in a home that was very supportive of following your dreams and doing what you want to do with your life. Um, my family was very supportive of me going away to college and not moving back to Long Island and instead moving to California. And I've watched my parents now, soon to be all three of us, um, leave the nest to go to places that are much farther. Um, and yeah, I am now a mom of two and a wife and... Um, I don't really know what my job is yet. Like, I, I, my, <laughs> what I do mean, you mean? I mean, I, I know coach. where I stand, but I don't think I'm done. Um, mm. So I, I love coaching women specifically. I love a lot about the movement side, but I also love, really love nutrition and lifestyle and just being able to, to show up as your best the best version of yourself every day. So I love helping people, mainly women, get to that point. So That's awesome. Yeah. That 
is Melissa in a nutshell. Okay, and with that, we're done. Uh, we just set a record for the shortest podcast so far. <clears throat> so a lot, you touched on a lot of stuff there. And yeah. I'd like to, rightfully so, and I'd like to unpack each piece a little bit. And there's certain things that obviously I know about and... It's always interesting to have these sort of conversations with you. I think that especially over the last five years, you and I have really, we've had a lot of deeper, more meaningful chats that really opened our eyes to one another's experiences, are not just our past, but how we're currently experiencing life. Mm -hmm. And it's been really, really valuable for our relationship. So for those of you listening that are in relationships that you care to continue going with and and growing it is very cliche but communication has been the driving force that's made our relationship successful um, and and it was not always present and, and I think that you know Melissa and myself have both put a lot of effort into being better at that over the years and I'm interested to see if anything comes up during this conversation yeah. that's kind of new for me so Let's talk about let's talk about your family life first. Now, you mentioned people referencing this sitcom type family scenario. And mm -hmm. I can tell you right now that was the number one way that I described your family <laughs> when we started dating. For me personally, it was very, very foreign to what I experienced growing up. And so it was really just this, it, it was interesting for me to watch and it was interesting for me to acclimate to, to be able to play a role in it. Yeah. Um, and it was very much sitcom -y and not in the sense that it was fake, but in the sense that there was arguments and difficulties and struggles that were ultimately resolved and there was never a sense of like, this is gonna end or that they're like this this yeah. argument or this disagreement could be the driving force between this family there was always a sense of resolution on the tail end of those things yeah um which that's my perception so tell me what it, that was like for you growing up did you really see it that way did you were you proud of that were you I, kind I of was. ashamed or embarrassed of it? Like, what what was that like for you? No, we, we were proud. I was proud of it. Um, it was. It was it was genuine. It was, my parents were both teachers. Uh, my mom later moved to um, doing some early intervention, like special ed services, so she didn't work in a school, but she was still doing some teaching in mm -hmm. home. And they were available. I mean, my mom put her career on hold early on to take care of, my sister Jen and I, and then, you know, later when she had Janine, she went back to work. Um, my dad taught PE and coached football, coached baseball. I mean, we went to his games. We did, we did things as a family. We, it, it was, it was, it was fun to be a part of our family. And growing up, they say we didn't have a ton of money all the time. But we, I think they did a, such an awesome job of, I feel like I'm going to get emotional during this, <laughs> this okay. podcast. Um, but I feel like they, we never knew it. Um, we never knew it. So, yeah. I don't know why that 
Well, I'd imagine as a mother now, yeah. you, you recognize the, the challenges that parenthood brings to the table and that it's not always easy and that part of your role is to be a, a protector yeah. for your children. And so there's a deeper sense of appreciation for you to look back when you were younger and understand what that yeah. looked like for your parents or might have looked like for them at, at that yeah. point in time. And they, they, they were, they are, they're still two of my parents are two of the most generous people. I mean, they will put anything on hold for their kids, for anyone else that needs it. I mean, I remember, you know, my dad worked in an alternative high school, so it was people that went to jail or were pregnant or um, just got kicked out of regular school for, you know, pulling out a knife or scissors or whatever on their teacher. And my dad became a father figure to, to these kids. And I remember some of them coming to our home and, you know, getting food and getting clothes and which is probably really weird now. Like this was, you know, 20 years ago. Should it be but weird though? It know, shouldn't but, be, yeah. but yeah, I mean, um, I remember delivering stuff to their houses. I remember like taking one of my prom dresses was white. God help me. I don't know how I made it through that night in a white dress. <laughs> um, but one of these girls was like graduating and getting married out of, like out of high school. And she wore my prom dress as her wedding dress. Like, that was the type of stuff my family did. Um, so, yeah, I was really proud. I am proud. And as you should be. And, you know, you and I, you and I met about 18 years ago, just, just a tad over that. And everything that you just described was immediately apparent to me as an outsider coming in and it wasn't it wasn't made apparent through bragging or self-congratulation or anything like that it was just i saw it happen on just regular a regular basis just these kind of random acts of kindness whether it was your mother you know preparing food for a neighbor and like you know stressing about like having to get all these things and help someone out or some of the stories that you just talked about with your father being that kind of parental type figure for a lot of his students it it was wildly apparent as soon as i came into into meeting your family and and i experienced a lot of that i experienced a lot of that support very early on i mean i felt welcomed right away and it was an unfamiliar feeling to me in a lot of ways in, in at least in that context um so you have a lot to be proud of, and yeah. it warrants you being emotional and proud of, of, of that because yeah. I, I think for you, at least my perception of it, and you can talk a little bit about this, your, the degree to which you give of yourself, I would imagine has a lot to do with how you saw your parents conduct themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. And they did a really nice job of walking the line between being parents and I don't want to say being our friends because they weren't our friends, but letting us know that they were there 
in a less serious, less like role model type scenario. You know, they sure. they let us talk to them about. Thi- I mean, we would we would talk about sex and stuff in front of my dad at the dinner table, and he, you know, he would blah, 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 you know cover his ears and stuff. But you know, we were we had that kind of relationship where there wasn't a lot of taboo stuff. There wasn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I needed to hide anything from my parents. I didn't feel like I needed to sneak around. So, yeah. you know, we we had open conversations about alcohol, about sex, about things as, you know, 14, 15, 16-year-old high school kids. And I think that's why I'm responsible. I was responsible then and then through college into now where, you know, I didn't, I don't feel the need to, I mean, there were plenty of times that I drank too much alcohol and threw up on someone's front lawn and my dad came and got me. But I, I knew I was able to experiment in that way because... One, my parents were not going to judge me. Mm-hmm. They educated me, and I got in trouble. But it was after my dad rubbed my back on the front lawn and said, "Not going to drink tequila again, huh?" You know, <laughs> um, you know, it was, it was. I'm not going to berate you, but then tomorrow morning we're going to sit down and have a legitimate conversation about this. Sure. You know. Um, so I was able to have parties at my house. I was able to have, I mean, there have been countless days where, nights where I had many boys sleeping over. And like people just, I mean, and my parents would pull out the pullout couches and there'd be, you know, extra blankets. And because my parents didn't want people driving. Mm-hmm. And we were in high school. Like we shouldn't have been drinking. They were teachers. They were risking that for themselves. But they knew if they could control that and they could have have that then it was something that they wanted to have around and it made a difference for the way I grew up and it made a difference for my friends I mean my friends loved my parents and not in a way where it was because they let them party at our house it was like I watched you know big douchey football players like trash other people's houses and then like bow down to my dad and ask for a garbage bag so they could pick up cans at my house, you know? So it was just, it was just a way where like, and my dad, like I have not been scared of my dad for one minute in my whole life. And I had many male friends that were like, your dad is so scary. And not because he yelled, not because he threatened anybody, but because he was just stoic and present and they knew the expectation and he respected them. Yeah. So they respected him. right? Right. And my mom, the same, you know, like, my mom would wake up in the morning and start making eggs for everybody, you know? And it was just, it was not the same when we went, you know, I have a vivid memory of another girl I went to high school with and her mom was a waitress and she was a single mom and I'm sure she was doing the best she could, but she would get home at 2 a.m. from her shift. We'd all be awake and she would just start smoking pot with people, you know? And mm-hmm. like that just didn't lend itself to the same level of respect that, those same friends gave to my parents. Sure. So it's, it was interesting to see that. And I don't necessarily know if I recognize that then. But now as we start to talk about raising our girls and what, you know, what kind of parents we would like to become. Talking about drugs. Talking about alcohol. Talking, you know, like we have a whole bar set up in our home that's 
very open and available if they ever want to steal alcohol from us, you know? And I hope that they can have that, we can have these same conversations where it is that level of respect and they feel like they don't need to sneak around or, yeah. you know. So, yeah, I mean, coming well, back to it, like, I have been proud from day one of being a part of my family, so. As you should be. And, yeah. And, I mean, you, you talked a lot about what your family cultivated and what I saw was they are caretakers. They genuinely give a shit about the people that they welcome into their life. Yeah. Right? They they genuinely care about making a positive impact around those those that they engage with, those that they meet. And they do it in a way that, that demands respect without asking for it. People see that they're going out of their way doing this thing that they don't need to do to care for them. They're leaving the door open for conversation with their daughters. So like you mentioned, that's a huge one, not feeling like you needed to keep things from them and sneak around. I think that's something that a lot of parents could relate to that when, when they're having kids. That, again, I'm, I'm not going to dive deep into it, but that is not how I grew up. Yeah. Right? And And so our behaviors and we'll, we'll dive into that on the on the next one our behaviors as far as how we conducted ourselves were very 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 different Which as young people and and coming back to learning how to communicate i mean i think that's why we struggled so much was because i came from a home of open communication and you did talk it out and you didn't go to bed angry at each other and you didn't hold grudges and you came from a lot of the opposite mm -hmm. so it was we, we just clashed with, you know, without understanding how, how to not only when to communicate and what to say, but how to communicate effectively for it to get across. Yeah, with someone that had such vastly different experiences. Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah. I mean, we could go, that could be a whole episode in and of itself to just talk about how we view the exact same event differently and how the way that we communicate about that event the the way that we respond to it right th they're so vastly different and even now they're still pretty different the biggest shift has been our ability to recognize what works for one another mm -hmm. and and then to respect that as often as possible yeah right and it's not about perfection but it is about the effort uh behind that yeah so the last thing that i'd like to touch on before we kind of jump out of childhood is talking about the the loss of your sister mm -hmm. and how that impacted you and your family and, and yeah. kind of tying in your role as <clears throat> you see it as a as a big sister because you have two younger yeah. sisters that are alive and um so let's let's start with yeah with... so um sarah was after jennifer so me jen then Sarah. So Janine wasn't born, mm -hmm. wasn't alive. And she was born with an aortic defect. So there was a massive hole in her heart. Her aorta wasn't connected correctly. Um, it was back in the day when they didn't do these very detailed sonograms and things. So we didn't know. Mm -hmm. We didn't know prior to my mom actually giving birth. Um, nothing really seemed out of place until they gave birth and she wasn't breathing correctly. Um, she ended up staying in the hospital for a month, um, a hospital that was an hour away from our house. Um, I was 
five, I believe. Mm -hmm. I was young. Um, and it was communicate. I don't, I don't honestly remember a ton of it. Sure. But it was, I mean, I'm sure communicated what was happening. We couldn't see her. Uh, I remember seeing her once or twice, like through a window. She was in, you know, a, cap a yeah. capsule connected to all these things. Um, I remember staying with neighbors. I remember staying with my grandmother a little bit. Um, you know, having them be there and my parents being gone a little more often. But I honestly don't remember our lives being flipped too much. Mm -hmm. um, and... Which is likely a testament back to what you talked about from a financial burden where your parents felt compelled to shelter you guys from I that mean, sort and, of tragic loss. Yeah. And I'm not sure. Again, I was young. I was young and my, my youngest sister was two. You know, so... I mean, which is kind of where, where our girls are right now. Sure. So I'm trying to think, like, their level of understanding if the baby never came home. Like, it would be one thing if she came home, I think. Mm -hmm. But the fact that she never came home, we never got to see her, we never got to touch her, we never got to do any of those things, like, there was just not that connection. It was likely right? Outside of my mom's belly, guys. right? So when they sat us down, I have some like distant memories of us sitting on my parents' bed and talking about like that she ended up dying in the hospital and that um but it it felt much like recently when our dog died. Like is how I remember like it was not I don't feel like it was traumatic as it should have been. Um which I guess is a testament to my parents. Um well, how traumatic will, should it have been? I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure as a child. Um, the way you described it, it, I, it almost seems like it wasn't fully real because you had. I don't think it was real to my sister. I, it wasn't real her, to like, my sister and I. Yeah. Um, the I should spend, yeah, I should the aftermath, for you guys. The aftermath of my mother, she was different. Um, we had never been a very religious family, but we would, you know, we were those holiday Christians that would go on um, Christmas Eve and Easter and we went to religious end. Like, we talked about God sure. um, enough. And my mom was outwardly like, there is no God after she died. Um, so we didn't go to church for a while, not even for the holidays. Um, my mom had some health issues. Like, and she, you know, she talks about like, the next day going, you know, to a field trip with us at school because she still had us, you know, to take care of and a mother being like, oh, how's the baby? And then having to, you know, talk about that she doesn't have a baby. Yeah. Um, I, you know, luckily, gratefully have never experienced that personally. Um, but I have friends that have. And... Well, <laughs> take a minute. Yeah. Um, being a mom now and understanding, not even being able to understand, but thinking about what my parents went through 
It was... I. They did a great job for us. Yeah. They did. They did the best they could in that situation with and everything they did. They, had, they did a know. great job for us. And... But I, I feel bad for my mom that she didn't... She just rolled right back into life. Mm-hmm. And my dad, too. But I think it's a little bit different for for the woman because you carried a baby for nine months, delivered it, and then, you know, ended up losing it. Yeah. But, sorry. <laughs> Don't apologize. Uh-huh. This is, I mean, it's it's real. Yeah. And, it's, and I think that one of the things that you and I talked about before hitting the record button here was the the fact that your perception and understanding of all of these things, all these experiences throughout your life, both as, as a child and, and yeah. through adolescence and as a young adult, they've shifted as they should. Your understanding of them, your perception yeah. of them, they'll change as your experiences grow. And I think that obviously being a mother now that experience, it carries a tremendous amount of weight, more so now than it would yeah. have 10 years ago. And not even the burden or, you know, I, I don't feel like that was a traumatic event in my life. But I mean, even being able but, to relate to, like, to Yeah, just, just, I mean, and I think, yeah. like, when I had Dylan, I, I remember talking to my mom and saying, you know, you... You didn't, you weren't able to mourn or do anything. Like, you just, you stood right back up and you were the best mom to us. And, I don't know. That. It's just, uh, I mean, it's yeah. a great lesson in, in resiliency and in just, fortitude. And maybe, again, it's easy to, you know, Monday morning armchair quarterback this and look back and say, wow, right. you know, you know, maybe your mom didn't do enough to, to, mourn or heal or do but that's easy to say in hindsight and sure. and then the question becomes how do you actually manage that in in that moment when you are a mother to two young children already yeah. and you and you yeah. need you need there's an element of necessity in our lives that allows us to to overcome tragedy and yeah. there's certain things where you just yeah. cannot you can't sit back and wallow in it you almost have to at certain points in our life move forward i, I that doesn't mean that it should be ignored forever by any means. Yeah. Um, I just, but I think it is a testament to, yeah. to your family's and I, resiliency and, I hope, and commitment I to you I hope that if, if, when, if um, something does happen in our girl's lifetime where I need to be that person, that I can be. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Oof. <laughs> Breathe it out. Breathe it out, honey. Um, I appreciate you sharing that. I know it's emotional. Mm-hmm. It got me, it got me a little emotional well, just thinking about it as, as a father. And I don't, I, like you said, I don't know how, how I should have reacted or how, you know, I, I don't know what that, that was supposed to look like or not supposed to look like. And I'm not even, yes, when I really think about it, it's sad, but she would never have lived a great life. She would have been attached to tubes and tanks and in a wheelchair and her whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, which selfishly would have hindered the life that we had. 
sure. going on vacations and Disneyland and random camping trips. Like, she wouldn't have been able to do those things. So then what? My parents split up and take some of us and not the others or, yeah. you know, we it, it would have drastically changed our lives. So I ultimately, I think it was better that it ended up the way it did, um, as sad as that sounds. But I, I'm just, when I, when I get emotional, it's for my mom. Sure. You know, more than myself, but. Yeah. I'd imagine it's for your mother and, and a little bit putting yourself in her shoes and trying to even wrap your head around what that experience would look yeah. like for you. And, yeah. You know, as you were saying that, a thought kind of popped into my mind about, and I always butcher this, but there's a there's a fable about a, um, uh, a, a farmer who his, his son is, or his horses break out of the, the farm and run away and his neighbors say oh what a tragedy you've lost all your horses and he says uh, good or bad who's to say mm-hmm. and then those horses come back and they've run back with twice as many horses now and he patches the fence and now his farm is even even bigger and they say oh what great luck um, has been bestowed upon you and he says good or bad who's to say mm-hmm. and the story goes on and on about this his son um, his son falls off a horse and breaks his leg. Oh my God, how tragic. Good or bad, who's to say? The next day, the, a general comes to the town looking for young men to recruit for war and his son can't go because his leg's broken. And they yeah. say, how fortunate. Good or bad, who's to say? And I think the point is, yeah. you look through those things and, and when we look back for like, whether this thing was good or bad, who knows? Mm-hmm. It was. It existed and it brought you to where you are. And it shaped your life in one way or another, mm-hmm. right? And it, there, there was no way you should have responded. There was no yeah. way that there was no thing that should have happened. Um, what happened is what happened, mm-hmm. and you know you learned those lessons from that thing, as did your family. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's jump a little bit forward yeah. past that now, as you get into. You know, maybe later, later into like your teenage years, going, getting ready to go into college. Um, what, what was that leaving the nest? Because you were the first one of your three yeah. sisters to to leave the nest mm-hmm. and not stay right at home yeah. in Long Island. Uh, so I had, I, I loved high school. Um, there was a lot of people that have hate, hated high school. I loved every minute of high school. Um, I had a great group of friends. I was able to do stuff. I played sports. Um, Leaving was still relatively easy for me, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I have a lot of people that I went to high school with that just stayed. And I was just curious. I was curious about what else was out there. Um, I was curious about what it would be like to not live with my family. Um, I think it was helpful to know that they always had my back. So, I mean, I, I did. I called my dad two days into being at Cortland and was like, I hate it here. I don't want to be here. And he's like, okay, great. Let's just pull up the application to CW Post. We can figure this out. Like that, you know, that was them. Um, so I, I felt comfortable leaving. Um, I grew up, they were teachers. I was the oldest. So I naturally fell into kind of that teacher role. I think it's just part of who I am. So mm-hmm. I knew that in some capacity I wanted to teach. Um, I also loved to move. I loved sports. My dad was a PE teacher. 
following in his legacy, decided to do that. Um, and I heard that Cortland was a pretty good PE school, and it was far enough away, but not too far. Sure. Where I was able to come home if I needed to or wanted to. It was, you know, it was a four, long drive. Four and a half, a you know, it was trip. four, four and a half hours where I could get in a car and, and I had a car to be able to do that. So it was the only place I applied. <laughs> and I got in and I saw the pictures online. I kind of knew where it was in relation to where Long Island was. Um, and I went to orientation. That was the first time I saw the school, was orientation. And got three quarters of the way up to that, like, random farm you pass on 81 in Pennsylvania. And there were a shit ton of cows. And I was like, oh, geez, what did I do? <laughs> um, and had a little ping of, like, oh, am I sure I want to do this? And then uh, my roommate was on the gymnastics team. So she was there a month prior to me. And she was on the gymnastics team. So she had this group of girls that she already befriended. Mm -hmm. Um so when I got there, she was very much acclimated to school. She already had her little group of people. She didn't necessarily include me in a lot of it. So mm. I didn't, I had one guy, um, this guy Brian, that I went to high school with that was a year ahead of me. So luckily Brian took me under his wing a little bit for some things um, first semester. And then I did end up going out, you know, with my roommate, Emily, who then later copied one of my papers and got us both in trouble <laughs> that's neither here nor there <laughs> um but tell so, us more about that it's obviously <laughs> still weighing on you no, um i didn't love her but uh she so i um found my place at college in college i started to love Cortland. i met you sorry yep that wasn't um, a number two <laughs> yeah um but I knew it was right. I knew it was right for me. Um, I was unsure for like the first two days. And my, you know, I think it was comforting for my parents to say like, you can come home, but yeah. are you sure you want to? Um, well, that certainly And I was goes... like, well, let me just try for another week. And then like the next week they're like, do you want to come home? And I'm like, no, this is great. <laughs> you know, so. Um, I think that probably harkens to what we talked about earlier about just that, that kind of sitcom family that there's room for change of heart. There's room for I mean, there was no, there was no judgment. Those, yeah. You know, literally, they're like, okay, think about it. You know, think we'll talk next weekend about it. We can come up for family day and we can, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but there's always, like, this isn't a life sentence. If you want to come back to Long Island, there's you can apply to Hofstra, you can apply to CW Post, you can apply, you know, you can start yeah. at Nassau and then you can go some, you know, so there was... It wasn't like, oh my God, we just packed you up and we did all these stuff. Like, there was no... There's no guilt. There was no guilt. There was no judgment. Yeah. It was just, just think about it. Like, are you sure? Sure. So. So, you know, it's interesting because we were chatting before we started recording about <laughs> you not necessarily feeling like you were a, a risk tolerant person. Sure. And I don't know if your decision to go to Cortland with no other backup or, or, you know, secondary plan, I don't know if that's necessarily risk, but in some ways it is, I, I, would, I would think. It certainly lends itself to following intuition, which is something that mm -hmm. you and I have gotten more focused on in the last sure. couple of years, especially, yeah. is, is being in tune with 
with your body and with your mind and your heart yeah. and and listening to that inner voice. Yeah. And, and I think that those were probably glimpses for you. I think you do a really nice job of being intuitive and recognizing what's working for you, what's not working for you, just generally speaking, mm-hmm. and, and being self-aware in that. And yeah. it's it's manifested, obviously, a couple of times in your life in, in big ways. I mean, going to Cortland being one of them. And, you know, up there, as you, as you mentioned, you and I met. And then I'm sure we'll get to this as you finish out your college years here, but your decision to move to California was very mm-hmm. similar in that mm-hmm. in that regard. Um, as far as your time away in Cortland, is there anything else that happened during that time that you feel like was really formative and important for you to, to mention before we jump ahead to you getting your first teaching job? And I mean, I guess I should talk about you a little bit. Um, if you feel called to. <laughs> um, so meeting you... So I had a I had a wonderful group of friends in in high school. They were all pretty similar though. They were lacrosse players, football players, surfers. They played guitar. Like they were just they were. Well, your Long vibe, Island your boy, vibe you know? attracts your tribe, right? Right. You so, all have a lot of similar interests. In so that. you know, I, I hung out with a lot of athletes. I hung out with a lot of people that enjoyed being outside and doing active things and. I didn't know anybody in the military. Not one person that I went to high school with was talking about going into the military. Um, I didn't have, beyond like my grandparents, my grandfathers, I didn't have anybody in my family at that time that was in the military. Um, So when I met you and you were like, I'm a Marine, I was like, oh. Like I didn't necessarily understand what that meant to truly be patriotic and sacrifice in that way and then also being someone that ultimately loves someone in the military right so um learning more about that was a a change for me um and it was i mean 9 11 happened my senior year so I literally, it was, you know, I went to college a year after 9-11 happened, and I met you a few months later. So, there was still that feeling of patriotism and, you know, what all that meant to be an American and be, you know, proud of where we live. Well, it was a little closer to home for you than for a lot. I would say for someone that lives in North Dakota... A year out from 9-11 probably didn't have oh, yeah. the same, I mean, carry the same weight as for someone who grew I mean, up I in Long Island and had lots of I mean, friends whose yeah. parents worked in the city. And I mean, yeah. luckily I had I had no one that I knew directly mm-hmm. um, in the towers, but I remember friends crying in the cafeteria because their parents were supposed to be there. And they, for whatever reason, ran out to get coffee that morning. Or, you know, there was people that should have been there that weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason. Um, but I mean, I could see there, you know, you go down to Long Beach and the bridge that goes to the beaches we would go to and you could see the towers smoking. And we did that. I saw them. Um, so yeah, it was, while well, I wasn't in New York City, it was definitely, it touched it was a close. little more so it was for close, you than for, for sure. a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, to have someone, that 
was was doing that was sacrificing um it was new for me it was new for me to meet someone like you um plus you were just more of like a, a badass than my friends you know like you just you did you did more interesting things than my friends Maybe than not the people smarter that, things. And, no ultimately no no um but then you know you were just different you were different than the people i had dated you were different than the people i hung out with so you like threw a, a wrench into my life that i didn't you know ultimately a amazing wonderful perfect one but one that I didn't necessarily expect my freshman year of college to, you know, fall in love with you. Um, I went to college with a boyfriend and realizing, like, what that relationship really was in high school was weird. Um, he had some trauma and his mom had some trauma and, you know, like... He was the first, like, real person that said, like, I love you in a romantic way to me. And it became this, like, clingy, dependent thing. So mm -hmm. then I, I mean, we've talked about it a bunch of times. I'm, I'm a, a fixer, a fixer of people. Um, I want to constantly help people. You're, you're so, a healer. You want to truly... Yeah. Yeah. I, I, don't, so, I don't view you as someone who is looking for problems in people to, to fix, but no, to but, be a support I mean, system for that talk, person and, and to help them through their journey. Like, that's, it's from, it is you. It's from how we grew up. You talk to both of my sisters, and we scoop up the wounded and are like, come be a part of our family, you yeah. know? And, and I've seen that firsthand <laughs> a number of times. Yeah. I've been that. Yeah. I'm part so, of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so meeting you and then you getting deployed... You were deployed my senior year. Um, we got engaged before you left, um, which I don't regret a minute of. But it was obviously not something I anticipated being engaged while I was in college. Mm -hmm. um, and then ultimately when you came back, you know, figuring out what that really meant. And I, you know, I... It was genuine. It was, you know, something I wanted to do. I wanted to to have you have that support while you were gone. Um, and it's not something I regretted. You know, I didn't walk around and be like, oh, you know, I can't talk to other guys, you know, my senior year of college. Like, I wanted to be with you. So um, it made sense. But it was, we were young. I mean, I was 20. Mm -hmm. So... We were young and it was likely, I mean, I'll say it for you, it was likely... <laughs> and act out of we'll call it fear as much as love of, I mean, I of think... being alone and, and wanting support and wanting it, it, especially for me it, it was and you were someone who well I think you also I mean now I mean most of your friends that were deployed with you at that time are no longer with the people that they were with and some of them were married right mm -hmm. um, so I think it was a way for you to commit to me, I guess. Um, I think you wanted me to commit to you and to, to know that I would be there when you got back. But I think it was also a way for you to show that you actually did care about me to that degree. Sure. Um, yeah. And without, I mean, so. without making it too much about myself, I will 
agree with that. And I'll also say that at that point I hadn't, I, I had never met someone who I felt like really cared about me and I had never felt as welcome in a family, not even my own. Um, and I was at some level very concerned about losing that. And this yeah. seemed like a viable reason or a viable, yeah, that seemed like a viable reason to take that step, even though in hindsight, we can look back and say, we, I don't think either of us were actually ready for that. No, no, you know, no. Um, and I'm glad that we didn't like jump to actually getting married then. Um, I'm glad that we, I mean, when you got back, we took the steps to kind of think about, is this the right time to be doing this? Is, you know, are we in a place to do this? And then, you know, working through everything that we did to get to sure. where we are. But yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to push you too hard on this because I don't want you to feel like you need to get emotional on everything. But obviously, you know, I was gone for roughly a year, a little bit less. Mm -hmm. um, and when we came back, we did haul off our engagement. Um, and we took some time apart mm -hmm. and ultimately you finished out your your um degree with Cortland mm -hmm. and did your student teaching and whatnot yep. and uh and then we're offered a job in California I know I'm kind of bundling that all together yeah. if there's if there's anything you want to touch on in there by all means feel free no, um I mean... but we we suffice it to say we had some very challenging times in our relationship over the course of that time when I got back I was I was personally struggling with a lot of stuff that I kind yeah. of dumped on you um I mean I think we were young I think that there were you know some things from your past that you hadn't dealt with I think there was some things from the future you know we talked about and you know when we talk about you we'll get into you know leaving the military what that meant for you and and my role in that but you know, there was, there was that piece of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, through it all, we took some time apart. Yeah. We, you know, I took the ring off, but we were always present. Never took it off your heart, girl. No. Mm -mm. no. <laughs> um, I mean, we were, yeah. we were still in contact very close. You know, we were still, we still cared about each other a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, I went to a job fair and same thing. I was like, you know, there was like one school from Long Island at the job fair at Cortland. And I was like, Oh, I'll just apply to that because it's safe. And like, I guess that's what you do after college. Like you move back home. Like that's just what everyone was doing or they just never left. Um, and then there were some like kind of close that I, um, I was like, well, you know, just for shits and giggles, I'll apply and like maybe they'll interview me today and then I can, um, you know, just have some practice with an interview. And then there was this one banner that had palm trees and mountains and was in California. And I was like, well, that's it. And, you know, they wanted an adapted PE teacher. And um, I was like, well, let's give it a shot. Why not? And they 
<laughs> I I signed up for an interview at like 12.30 that afternoon. Like, you know, it was like 9 o'clock. That was like first thing in the morning. And they're like, we've been waiting all morning for you to come back. And they or they offered me a job um, as an adapted PE teacher. And they're like, will you, will you move to Southern California? And I was like, sure. Let me call my ex-boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I knew that I didn't want to be far away from you, and while I thought I was brave, I don't know if I would have done that myself. And in high, like, I wish I'd no, I I wish you had said no initially, mm. so I could have really like figured out who I was, um, and if I would have said yes. I mean, I'm so glad that you said yes to come with me because mm. I I honestly think I wouldn't have, um, but I I would like to have known. Um, what I what I would have done, but um, yeah. So I called you and I said, "Hey, I know like we're still trying to figure things out between you and I. I got offered this job. It's in Southern California. Um, you want to come with me?" And you were like, "Yeah, sure, let's do it." <laughs> <laughs> so just a, a quick glimpse into <laughs> some differences in personality here. Uh, Melissa tends to be. A bit yeah. more conservative and risk averse. I tend to yeah. uh, leap before I look, and uh, and this was definitely one of those moments. I do remember that phone call, and literally yeah. how you just described it was exactly how the conversation went. I went, yeah, sure, yeah, and then it was just figuring out when we were yeah. going, and and you know, in hindsight, there again, um, it's much like when couples are on, you know, having a rocky patch, and they're like. We should try to have a kid, like, yeah. and, we'll, and we'll, you know, everything will get better. Everything's right? fucked up. Like Let's if we, add a if really we, stressful you know, event to um, it. So we we relocated to a place that actually had some friends, um, unknowingly, which mm-hmm. was awesome. Um, but we weren't in a really great place. Like we weren't in a place to move across the country and live in an apartment alone together mm-hmm. and not have many people. Um, so it was right. It was you know. We played house and we, you know, bought furniture for our apartment and you helped support, you know, you ended up getting a job. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I went in and, you know, said, hey, you know, I guess I was calling you my boyfriend. My boyfriend's here with me. Yeah. Um, you know, we went to the same program. He has the same degree. And they're like, we're looking for two adaptive PE teachers. Would you like to, we can hire him too. So they hired you. Um, so we ended up working together for the first time. We ended up living together which we'd have we had done before yeah. um but we weren't in a place to like our relationship wasn't rock solid no and i think it gives i'm glad that you touched on that because i think what that what i immediately thought was how many people get lost in the details and the projects of life and take take on these they kind of dig themselves deeper into whether it's a dysfunctional relationship or a dysfunctional job or whatever it is right and yeah. they and they do it by distracting themselves with a million other things and you said it perfectly playing house let's we got to find apartments we got to put furniture in the apartments we got to oh we're, we got to buy cars because we only yeah. took your car yep. out there yep. and, we had to buy and a car. Like, there was a lot of moving parts that kept I mean, yeah, us we, busy we shared a lot. we were like let's open the same bank account like we were we were acting like like we were married. We're, yes. Yeah. And that stuff was like good. Like we were good married. Yeah. 100%. Um, and and the friends, I think we should point out, the people who we knew out there already were were friends 
of mine from home. Right. So a lot of the the stuff that I had stereotypically done as a younger man to get myself in trouble and not make great decisions. <laughs> I, like some of these guys were a part of that. They're stuff respectable at men they're, right now. You should say that. <laughs> and it's not. A, I'm not digging on them. No. Like, I, I love the. I love them to death, and it was wonderful to have yeah. that familiarity when we went out there. And it also Fed put me into, into an environment mm-hmm. where I I didn't really get better. I didn't improve upon myself. Right. Right. And it was. Right. And and so I'll let you continue with that. But that's. That's where we and we landed out there, and I don't think it was intentional. You and I didn't have discussions around. Oh, if we move to California, everything will be great. It was very much like, "Will you go with me?" Because I'm scared to go by myself. And I was like, and "Yeah, I, I don't give a I fuck." And I still love you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, and my my response yeah. was like, "Yeah, I don't give a fuck about moving." Right. Right. And I also didn't. I mean, I didn't want to admit it at that point, but I didn't want to be where you were far from you either. Oh. I knew you were an, an important. That's so sweet. (laughs) I knew you were an important part of my life. Yeah. 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 Um, So now, so so now we've moved to California. Yeah. We're living that SoCal life. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we had a lot of great times. We did a lot of awesome things the first few years, but it was tumultuous. It was. When are we going to argue this weekend after a few beers? And when, you know, it was, our relationship was not, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't know how to communicate. Um, You were still on IRR for the military. You were trying to decide what your next step was. I was pressuring you into leaving the military if this was something, if a life together was something we were going to pursue. Um, So yeah, it wasn't, I mean, we had... A lot of times where... On the surface, it looked great. And how many people can relate to this, right? Yeah. They see someone and they're like, oh, wow, look at that. And on the surface, we were doing well financially. We, mm-hmm. you know, we lived in a nice apartment. We, yeah. you know, we both had good jobs. We were able to go do fun things. We went out to dinner and we went out drinking and we went out to the coast and we went snowboarding we mm-hmm. like we we lived it up we we mm-hmm. lived we had yeah. fun yeah together a lot and we went to war a lot mm-hmm. and, yeah. and and it was and it wasn't necessarily being resolved no initially yeah so now we're a few years in and i'm just gonna fast forward you to this so like so we've we lived that for several years mm-hmm and then we eventually came to a turning point in in our relationship. Mm-hmm. So do you want to talk about that at all? Um, so I think I went home for the summer. I think mm-hmm. we had broken up. So we were deciding. Yeah, we moved out. You were going to stay. Well, I moved out. Yeah. You were going to stay in the apartment. You went home for the summer. I was teaching or I, I took some, some summer, summer school, school hours and stuff like that. Yep. And we talked about, you know, what does this look like? Do you want to stay in California? Am I staying in California? Am I moving home? are we both staying out there and working together and not being together? And, um, and I, I kind of, I gave you an ultimatum. I said, you know, we either need to go, we either need to do this or not, you know, we need to, and it needs to be some help from somebody outside the two of us because like we've touched on a few times, our communication skills were very different. Um, we weren't equipped to do it on our own. No, no. I mean, when, you know, I was naggy and I harped on you and I, I 
if we got into an argument, I thought it automatically meant that you didn't care about me or you didn't care about the situation. And, you know, you just needed some time to cool off and, and not say things you regretted. And I often didn't give you that time. So you said things you regretted. And then I <laughs> just sure. spiraled from there, right? Um, and I think it's important to point out that We've talked about ultimatums before, you and I, and I don't necessarily think it's as much now, looking back, it, it was as much a, of an ultimatum as it was creating a clear and well-defined boundary around what expectations would be mm-hmm. moving forward, regardless yeah. of which path we went down, yeah. and, and what the the parameters of our relationship would look like and what needed to happen. So a lot of times people hear ultimatums and it sounds like, well, you fucking do this or I'm going to do that. And you were never that person, but you did finally stand your ground and create these boundaries and expectations that needed to be done in order to get me to take a step back from what I was doing. Which was something that, which is something that is very difficult for me to cause any sort of conflict Mm-hmm. or create that boundary or stand up for myself. I mean, I feel like I've gotten much better at it. You have. Um, because it's something I've worked on and because of, because of things that we've gone through and kind of your lead on some of that. But Well, and me making your life very difficult by, <laughs> if you didn't do that. Like, yeah, but it, I it, think it that almost we, compelled you to. I think that we struggled for so long because I let you just steamroll me. Yeah. A thousand percent. Um, so I think that, yeah, I mean, that was probably the first time where I was, I was scared to lose you, but I was more scared to stay with it the way it was. Yeah. So I was willing to risk it. Yeah. And luckily it, it ended up the way I wanted it to. Um, but it, it, it might not have, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so, we did some some talk therapy, right? Which is something that I had a lot of exposure to growing up uh, and was not particularly fond of. But given the, the parameters that you drew around what our relationship would or would not look like, it was important to me to, mm-hmm. to do that. And so we did go in there. We did, well, and you, you referenced learning to communicate. Yeah. It was really fundamental. It, that, was, that was a really great step for us to start to learn how to communicate with one another. And, well, and it I, served us for a while. It, it helped me to, to learn more about myself because I didn't come from a childhood where I was exposed to any sort of therapy. So I thought that there was just lots of things wrong with you and nothing wrong with me. And that's pretty much what I said when I went in. I was like, figure him out and f- help me to fix like you know sure. like and she was like whoa 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 lady <laughs> like let's talk about some of you um so it was the first time that someone was able to like knock me down a notch without offending me mm-hmm. um so that was that was also interesting and ultimately something i needed that i didn't know i needed well, and, and so, valuable and it's and it's yeah. not necessarily i don't think about knocking you down a notch or there's stuff wrong with you it's just understanding that that you play a role in this you know i've said to you a million times at this point that we are we are simultaneously 
more significant than we believe we are and absolutely less significant than we believe we are. And we all play a role. We play a role for ourselves, for the people around us, and the way we show up for that is important. And it's not about being broken or needing to be fixed. It's about understanding, accepting who you are and understanding, accepting the people around you and how can you show up better for those relationships? How can you foster growth in those things? And I think that that was the first step for the two of us really putting a little bit more understanding and words to it. I think that up until that point, you and I had helped one another grow kind of by accident or by like mm-hmm. smashing it into the other person, right? right? And, right. and it wasn't being done intentionally and we didn't right. really understand what was going on. Right. And we absolutely couldn't talk about it because we didn't know how to how to communicate with one another about what was happening. Right. And so that was a, you know, luckily one of our colleagues referred an excellent uh, therapist to us and she was really great and we went there for a while and and got our our shit together and we started taking ourselves down the uh, a really positive path mm-hmm. um, and our relationship was going well and we got married and bought a house mm-hmm. um, and then we eventually moved back to New York so <laughs> you know it covered about five years there or about, about, yeah. about three years rather there um, for our last three years in, in California. And so I mean, what... nothing really beyond getting married, nothing really profound besides deciding to move back to New York. Yeah. Which was a decision that we came to based on feeling a need for deeper connection with family and friends. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so is there anything in that that you wanted to share with anyone as far as, Wedding, decision to move back. Our wedding was epic. Yeah, um, it was. I know a lot of people say that, but ours <laughs> really was. Um, I'm grateful we had that experience. I'm grateful to my parents who helped us have that experience. I, uh, yeah, I mean, deciding to move back to New York, we had decided that we were going to open a gym. And I think we had the conversation around beyond wanting that connection with family and friends, opening a business in California then rooted us there. We were, we were stuck, um, unless we decided to close the business. And, you know, was that something we were prepared? At least that was our thought at the time. Sure. Sure. Um, was that something that we were prepared to do? We ultimately decided no. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it, one of the reasons that I know you and I both left teaching, and I think this is this warrants people hearing and considering with their own life too, mm-hmm. is that we found ourselves really just demotivated by what we're doing within our within our district, within our field. Um, you know, a lot of your time was spent preparing for court cases of parents that were suing the district mm-hmm. for this, that, yeah. and the other thing. It was very little time spent actually working with your kids. Uh, I had a real, I, I was struggling with the hypocrisy of our educational system. And you and yeah. I just started looking around at people that were miserable in this job. And we both enjoyed teaching. We both mm-hmm. enjoyed that role of mentor, of coach, of teacher. It just wasn't working in that realm. And right. I think, again, going back to uh, risk aversion, that you often don't give yourself a lot of credit, but you took that leap with me when 
we decided to step away from very comfortable jobs that were decent salary, yeah. great benefits, great schedule. You know, there's longevity, stability I, built into yeah. it. When I say that I'm I'm risk averse, I think I mean that like I'm not going to come up with the idea. Mm. I'm not necessarily not willing to go along with the idea, but I'm. You need a nudge. I'm probably not the one that's going to... Like, I don't think I would have said, I'm going to move to California if I didn't have a job. Mm. And or if you didn't come with me, right? Um, I don't I don't know that I would have lived in California forever or taught forever. I think I probably would have evolved out of that role in some way uh, or at least looked at a different district. Our district was very closed-minded and focused on things that we we weren't mm-hmm. when it came to like the what was beneficial for the students and the kids but i don't think that i would have said let's open a gym yeah or you know let's uh, you know owning i don't i don't know anybody that owns their own but i didn't know anybody at that point that owned their own business except for Cheryl who owned the gym we went to yeah right so you know, my I didn't come from a family of like my dad owns an AC business or my you know a plumbing yeah. business. Like I, I didn't have that. Sure. My parents were teachers, so it was you got a salary for going to your job. So that's just kind of, although it was never verbalized as that was the expectation. It was just that's what I saw. Sure. So when you're like, let's open our own business, I'm like, well, I didn't go to business school. I don't know how to do that. Like neither did I. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> um, but again, I, I have this, you know, when I went to college, I think it was, I had the trust in my family where if I, if I didn't really want to be there, I didn't have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went to California, it was you. And again, like I could have gotten on a plane. It was nothing. I think that concept of none of this is a life sentence mm-hmm. that you can constantly be changing and evolving and even if, I mean, I saw a quote today that I said to you, like, even if you've put time, effort, money into something, if you ultimately decide it's making you unhappier or it's something you don't want to do anymore, you don't have to. Yeah. Right? And yes, it might have been a waste of time and a waste of money and a waste of effort. Or not. What lessons yeah, do you learn right, from it? But yes, right. it, it certainly is so, difficult to step away you know, from something. The older like I got and the more, I mean, at that point, it, that was like risk number four. Right? I had mm-hmm. risked marrying you. I'll count that as a risk, right? That is a risk. So, That's probably the biggest you know, risk like, you've ever taken. I've risked, I risked going to college, going to California, managing a, at that point, 10-year relationship with you. And then, now this was, like, I was pretty, meh, okay. And to me, like, if I got to that point, like, when we did get to that point and you said, hey, how do you, what do you think about moving to New York? And I was not very hesitant to say like, sure, let's go. Obviously somewhere in my subconscious, even if I wasn't truly thinking about it, it was something that I wanted. Mm. Right. So yeah, I didn't fight against it too much. Yeah. So. Yeah. We, and, and it was, (laughs) it, it ended up being a pretty rushed proposition uh, some stuff went down with the school district with me that left an even more sour taste in our mouth mm-hmm. and, and it, it prompted me to be like chomping at the bit to get out of there. And so we ended up exiting 
in hindsight, maybe a little faster than we should have to have made better yeah. plans. Um, however, again, going back to who's who's to say, yeah. it's what we did, right? Well, we and- left California, moved back to Rochester. We didn't move. We didn't want to be down um, on Long Island, and we didn't want to be close to, to my mother either. And I had several friends that I was in the military with who were from Rochester originally, had moved back there. Well, um, one of them being my best, one of my best friends, Tommy, who also was interested in opening the gym with us. Well, and I think that made it easier to come to Rochester too because, again, I knew my family was going to be there no matter what. I knew my family was going to figure out a way to see me and I was going to see them and even six, seven, eight hours apart wasn't that big of a deal, Mm -hmm. right? I'd done that before. I'd done, you know, it was a little bit farther, but, you know, your friends were, you know, leading to deploy out of um, 29 Palms, which was... 45 minutes away from our house in California. So I got to see those guys relatively often on their time off. And then when Brad and Tommy did come out, and that was kind of the ultimate push to move back, like I saw how important it was for you to be around your quote unquote family, those people, right? So moving to Rochester, yeah, I didn't want to go back to Long Island. So that made sense. And it was an easy thing for me to do for you because... You didn't have a great relationship with your family. It wasn't something that somewhere where you wanted to be. And being here did bring you closer to those people. So. Yeah. Yeah. So we moved back. And I have family in Rochester. You do, I used to come here as a kid. You know? So it's come full circle. It's all full circle. (laughs) So we moved back. That was 2011 that we moved back. This this spring, summer of 2011. Uh... Living in Tommy's basement, doing workouts in the garage. I mean, it was a lower level. It was a lower level. He had a basement. He did have another basement. You're right. You're right. I stand corrected. Uh, so we, so we did that. Uh, the you know we opened the gym, started at his house. We eventually went into our first space. Uh, you know we don't need to go down a ton of detail about the business itself, but yeah. suffice it to say that we we found ourselves again in this position where we allowed i think it maybe it wasn't again but this was a slightly different scenario in in my opinion and and i'll be interested to hear what you say where we let a lot of external factors and stuff just kind of run amok without really paying close attention to them until they were too late and it yeah. it ultimately drove a significant divide in our in our relationship and yeah you know since that point Again, this was another major hurdle for us. So I think to anyone listening, I mentioned it earlier, we met each other and started dating a little just over 18 years ago now. And so often over the years, there's been people who've mentioned to you and to me about, you know, well, you don't know what it's like. You guys have such a great relationship. You guys are like best friends and blah, blah, blah. And we've had the same typical you know, mini struggles that a lot of uh, relationships have. And we've also had these these two really monumental, massive struggles in our relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, one of them coming to a head out in California, and then the other one coming to a head a couple years into us yeah. owning the business here. Um, I think that's a, a, a critical point or next crucial point sure. for us to get to and, and sure. talk a little bit about. And then how we got through that. Yeah. And where we've gone I mean, since then. 
we had been together for a long time, but we were young. I mean, I was 26 at that point. Like, it was just, I didn't, I don't think we truly understood how much work a relationship really is. Yeah. Right? And like, not work in a bad way, just consistent. No. Consistent watering and loving and nurturing and like a fucking garden, you know? Like, it was not, it wasn't something that we, like, we had gotten past that first hurdle. We had gotten married and everything had been great. And we moved back and we were, you know, jamming with the gym and figuring it out and... Yeah, albeit living in someone else's house, but it was it was fun. It was relatively low maintenance and low stress. Um, but let's but also, didn't... I also want to put a pin in that for a second. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I'm going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things you and I talk about is failure to recognize, we talked about it with my sister, failure to recognize what a traumatic event could be in your life. And oh, I mean, again, ultimately, speaking when we that did... we were young... Yeah. We were young. We moved back across the country after just moving across the country five years prior and having a major struggle in our relationship, major life event with getting married, major life event with buying a house. Then we decided to move quit back. Quit our jobs. Quit our jobs. We moved back, mm-hmm. living in a basement, broke as fuck, opening a business. and like Not knowing doing, what we were doing. Not yeah. knowing what we're doing. Managing so we're, our home that we still had in California. Correct. And, I was, that's the yeah. other piece. Yeah, we're managing the home that ultimately went into... You know, a, a, a short, short sale, sale mm-hmm. uh, as a result of our renters not paying and all these other things. So there was a, all tr- in hindsight. I look back and I remember thinking, oh, well, and- like, why is this such a big deal? And in hindsight, I'm looking back, well, no shit, Sherlock. It was a fucking ton of like well, really difficult things to manage. Well, and yeah, and when we did go back to therapy to talk about that, that was one of the first things she brought up was like, let's go through a timeline of the last year. And we said those ten things, and she's like, huh? Sure. um, So, I think that we fell into this trap of well, now we were we were coworkers. We had been coworkers in California, but we were coworkers in a new way. Where, Mm -hmm. you know, in California, we just had to show up and do our job, and we could dick around, and you know, we still got paid, and we could still go do fun things on the weekend. Like now, this was it. Like this is the only way we were getting any money, and it was something that we had to be in. Mm-hmm. Right. And you also took a lot of the burden of like, if this didn't work out, it was on you. And I think that's something we still <laughs> work through even today, yeah. 10 years later. Um, but I chose to come here. So I, that's, that was something that we used to had like a point of contention was like, if this doesn't work out, you know, I'm a failure. And I'm like, well, we, it's a we thing. Right? Sure. Like, no matter where we end up, it's a we thing because I, I, you know, you didn't force me to do this, right? Um, but I think that we were young. I think that we thought that we had figured it out. So it was just something that didn't need that much care and attention. And we were focused on our business so much that it, we didn't need to, like, plan date nights or, you know, just do things that were just us without the business. Sure. Um, and yeah, it came to a head. I mean, it came to a head where, you know, we were basically roommates that talked about business. You know, we were business partners that slept in the same bed. Not in a loving way. (laughs) No. Um, yeah. So it was something that I think 
needed to happen for us to really understand what going through life with a partner is, truly is. Um, I mean, am I glad that it happened the way it did? No. Um, but I think we needed to be pushed to that point, honestly. Well, it, it in hindsight, it's easy to look yeah. back and say, those were moments in our lives that were either going to completely break us mm-hmm. or fortify our relationship. One of the, there right. was there was no in between right. in that, right? There was, um, you know, there were there were real conversations, and there, you know, maybe there's some people listening that were a part of the gym at this time, staff or clients, or whatever. Uh, there were very real conversations going on around. If we divorce, do we keep the gym open? If the gym stays open, who is running it? Um, mm-hmm. Is you know is some one of us moving back to California, down to Long Island? Like all of these things, we weren't living together. There's there's a lot of stuff, and we and you know we don't need to go down all the details of it. But suffice it to say, some like some of my actions jeopardized our relationship. It jeopardized my relationship with Tommy. Um, and ultimately our business, mm-hmm. right? And all of these things, these were real topics of conversation that we were eventually having about, like, what does this look like? Yeah. You know, and so we had those conversations, and at a certain point, a decision was made to to sit down and at least attempt to put some work into it. Yeah. And then see what comes of that. And yeah. after that, then then we might need to revisit some of these conversations. Sure. So do you have anything that kind of comes to mind within that time? Like what prompted us to say, all right, let's do some work before we start having these other conversations in a more serious way in terms of dividing up the gym and all these other things that we just, that we mentioned. I mean, we decided to go back to, to therapy. Yeah. Uh, I think she was, again, we found an awesome counselor that really helped us understand what we had just been through and kind of why we got to this point or and, how, and how it was po- probable to get to this point. Sure. Um, and deepen our, our understanding of one another. It was a very, well, it was a different experience this time yes. around. And we had talked about, like I had known your childhood. I had known some of the things from your past, but I think this was also the first time where you, you might've realized that your past was hindering you truly becoming the person you wanted to become. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I still remember yeah. that the timeline exercise that you described, that was not only applied to our immediate recent history no, in terms was... of our business, but we did that exercise for our entire lives. And it was basically a timeline with a hash mark made at every point, every kind of critical point in our lives where right. something major shifted for us whether it was a traumatic event whether it didn't Moving, didn't really matter what it was school, yeah. right and I, I remember a distinct moment looking at that where we had our two lines on the piece of paper that she kept up there and mine looked like the seismograph recording during an earthquake <laughs> with the number of lines that are that are going down it and yours was peppered with some lines here and there too and and you're right. It was an overwhelming moment for me mm-hmm. because it wasn't something I had ever really taken 
stock in or taken a, taken a look at and yeah. really resonate with like, oh yeah, there was all of those things that I don't necessarily think about a lot, but they well, do shape my behaviors and my decisions. And, yeah. and it's not about dwelling. It, it became less no. about dwelling on the past and more about understanding why I speak the way I do sometimes, why I yeah. do the things that I do. Well, and that was nine years ago, eight years ago, seven years ago, seven, eight, seven or eight. Yeah. yeah. So to me, that was the first time that I truly saw, well, not, second time. I mean, you, you, we worked, we worked in California, but that was really the first time that I saw you like legitimately put in the work to change, to become the version of yourself that you wanted. Um, and same for me. I mean, I think, again, we were young. I, like, I don't know what 25 or 26 year old, like, I don't know, really, really thinks about those things and has been, and is married and is owning a business together. And like, we just had a lot, we had a lot yeah. on our plate. Um, and I think that we thought because we'd been through some stuff already that we were just in the clear. Like, sure. you know, we were just good. Like, no more struggles. Yeah, right. Like, um, so yeah, while, while I, I, while we were in it, it was miserable um, and scary and sad. Um, I'm proud of the work we put in and, you know, what, where we are and what we did. <laughs> Got you twice, just in uh, I'm gonna make you cry during your interview. Yeah, you are. I, I'm, I'm feeling emotional just listening <laughs> to you, and I'm not even having to share most of the stuff. Um, likewise, I'm. It was. It was arguably the darkest time. In in my life, which says a lot. I think it says a lot more about how important you are to me than necessarily about the circumstances themselves because because yeah. I've been in some other pretty dark places but it did that the outcome didn't matter as much to me and, and when I well, look back at my life I've you and the girls are the only thing that I can say I've ever truly committed to yeah and that's not a boast I really it should be different and I'm I'm working to make it different um and and like you said, in those moments, it was, it was miserable. It was miserable in every sense of the word throughout that whole time. Um, yeah. And I'm incredibly grateful for the experience and for what we were able to do to come through it together. You know, and, and I'm happy yeah. to be here with you, having this little yeah. chat, making yeah. you cry. I, I mean, I. I... <laughs> I'm grateful for the work we put in. I'm also grateful we didn't have kids at that point. A hundred percent. I don't know I, if know, it could have been done. Yeah. I, and it's hard. I mean, it's hard to say, but it, it certainly just, would have made it a lot harder. And, uh, you know, obviously we're in a very happy marriage right now. We are co-parenting our kids wonderfully. But, like, I, I don't know if we would have settled, for lack of a better word, being together for the kid like if we would have been like well we just need to figure this out for the kids sure right um, rather than figuring rather it out for than, us for us yeah. right like i'm really grateful that we had that opportunity to like fucking solidify our marriage before we had kids mm -hmm. um 
which I don't think a lot of people get a chance to do. Um, I mean, we alluded to my parents, like, you know, not loving each other now. They, they absolutely do. But they, their, their time from the time they met to the time they got married and had me was very quick. Mm. They were a little bit older, but it was very quick. So now, you know, 37, 38 years later, they're, they're just getting, like, all their kids are flying. And now they're like, okay, let's figure out this marriage thing. You know, like, we, I'm, I'm grateful that we had that opportunity to, to do that. And, and have those struggles. Like, I think that people need to struggle together. They do. And does it need to be as in-depth as we went? I don't know. Probably not. Um, but I have no doubt now whether you love me or not. I have no doubt whether you're going to be there. I have no, like, hiccups about trusting you. And, you know, I would love to think that you know, all the couples in our lives can say that, but I don't know. I don't know if they can. Mm. Um, so, yeah. I... Well, and you touched on something there with, that again, I reference it a lot to you in conversations. I write about it a lot. Uh, that we are beasts of burden. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that I've started to understand better and that you and I talk about is discerning the difference between struggle and suffering and in our conversation with my sister i I mentioned that i am very comfortable suffering but suffering is not the same as struggle you can struggle for something that that's that's working hard that's Mm -hmm. putting the effort in that's being challenged that's life throws some shitty circumstances at you and you find a way to overcome. That's loving the person that just pissed you off, right? It's, it's all of those sort of things. Those are struggles that we are, we're built for and mm-hmm. we need. And unfortunately, we actively avoid them a lot in our society. And I don't even, I'm not saying that you and I necessarily intentionally took on these sort of struggles, but we were offered the opportunity to work through these struggles and mm-hmm. it did involve some suffering. Right? It certainly well, did. But instead, we took it as a, like, this is a burden. This is work to be done. And I and I truly cared about you from the moment I met you. But I think I did stick around for so long because I didn't, I didn't really have much suffering or struggle early on in my life. So I was like, well, is this what truly loving, like, loving someone that has a traumatic past means? Is this what you you go through to get to a point where you want to be this with this person for the rest of your life so yeah yeah well either way i'm glad that we endured the struggle together Me too. so now Me too. now we're gonna pick it up to good stuff i feel like we've gotten a little depressing in a couple parts of these things but it's real I mean, that's it's, life. it's part that, I mean, of it it's the ups and downs right if i if we just talked about the good stuff it would be instagram it, yeah <laughs> um so we we move past that 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 stage in our relationship where we're struggling things are now feeling more solid than ever mm-hmm. um and we decided to start having a family mm-hmm. uh fast forward we've had multiple big challenges with our businesses mm-hmm. um Again, a testament to fortifying ourselves and our relationship mm-hmm. earlier on with our our ability to roll through those. 
And I just, I would love in these final minutes to hear a little bit about your, where you're at today, how the last five years, almost six years of, of parenthood has shaped you, um, as, as a person, as an individual, as a professional, as a coach, um, and how you, you as, as the coach for your clients and for your family members and your friends that, that you engage with, how you bring these experiences to the table to help other people. Because you yeah. are someone who is there. You are a teacher by nature. You are a, a, a lover. You're a carer. You're an empath that you give a fuck about other people. Yeah. And so I think you have a few more life lessons under your belt now that you can pull from. So what yeah. do these last five, six years look like? And how does that kind of put the cherry on top of who Melissa is today? Yeah. I mean, becoming a mother completely changed it for me. Completely. I, I, I love you, and I, I thought that that love was unconditional. But, I like, now you know what unconditional love is. Like, this little human that just shit everywhere or <laughs> threw up on you or, you know, is screaming when you're trying to do something fun with them. Like... It, it doesn't matter. Um, those experiences as a mother have now translated into what I am doing professionally um, and what I plan to continue to grow professionally. So um, while I love moving and teaching people how to move, I would like to move farther and farther away from exercise prescription and... Um, and definitely have movement be a part of the process, but I want, I want to help women. I want to help women that have gotten lost because I, I, I've seen little, you know, dips into how, how I could lose myself completely into being a mom. Um, not taking care of myself the way I should prioritize being an empath, being someone that does care about other people, you know prioritizing my kids first, prioritizing other people and having myself be on the back burner. Mm-hmm. Um, I have worked through ways to not have that happen and doubled down on the things that I can control in my life and, and all the good habits and stuff that I have. So I've created some programs and things specifically for women and then specifically for moms. Um, so I'm excited to continue to build those and and help specifically women and moms. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, it, you know, coaching, coaching women and coaching moms before having kids, they'd be like, well, it's really difficult just to fit this all in. And I'd be like, no, you can do it. You can find time. And then being a mom, I'm like, Oh, I, I get it. it. I know what you, you mean. still can do it. You still can. And you still can find time. But need, now yeah, I better understand. I, I understand. Yeah. So, um, I'm super grateful for the opportunity to do that every day. Um, I am so excited to be a mom every single day and take that with me. Um, I've also learned what being a role model and like walking the walk actually means and doing mm. that. Um, Especially those little people that just have eyes on you twenty four seven. And you know we have one that just parrots you. So if you want, if you want someone to like point out all the bad things you say or <laughs> your faces you make, you don't have a kid. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for my 36 years here and 
the journey with you so far and yeah yeah likewise likewise all in all it's been pretty good so i saw something interesting today and on on instagram and i i tagged you in it and it was talking the the premise was it was talking about uh shedding of former identities and and how that can impact relationships and things along those natures so looking at as people grow Mm -hmm. um that many times that can result in the end of a relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think you you mentioned being lost, like losing yourself to motherhood, losing yourself to your career, to your relationship, whatever it, it might be. There's often times where we hold ourselves back and or hold our partners back or the other people around us because we're comfortable in the discomfort that we know. We're comfortable in the suffering that we know. And we numb ourselves through a variety of means in our in our culture. And I know one of the things that, that we'll just touch on before we, we finish up here is, you know, some of the work that I've been trying to do for myself in the mm-hmm. last few years. And then really specifically, this came up in the last uh, like six months or seven months or so, eight months, I don't know, um, <clears throat> where as I started to look into going to plant medicine ceremonies and those sort of things, mm-hmm. this was a concern that you had that you, you kind of half jokingly had said, you know, don't go decide that you need to, <laughs> to, to leave me and yeah. that I'm not a part of this. And I think the reason I bring this up is it's important to recognize that that was never even a thought that crossed my mind because throughout all of this, when we, when we look at the stories that you just shared today and our time together, you and I have have grown together, not always at the same rate, not always at the same time. And the difference has always been, for the difference I see compared to a relationship that falls apart when someone decides to start changing their life and improving, quote yeah. unquote, who they are, is that you and I have always been supportive of one another in that endeavor. If you're going to start doing it, Melissa, you want to do this this program to help you know build your business a little bit more structured let's do it yes do it you know i'm standing behind you telling you that i go to you and say i want to i'm really interested in this thing i want to try it do it be there and Mm -hmm. i think that you and i have found a way to allow one another to explore our own personal development and growth and learning and our experiences in our own life and do that in a way where we support each other and maybe we participate in that same thing, but maybe we don't. And both of those things are okay. And we watch this evolution. And I think, again, because of some of the struggles that we've had, we've been able to look back and reflect on how you and I have changed over the years. I mean, as I'm saying this, I, I recognize how vastly different my demeanor, my communication, my willingness to even have a discussion like this is from 18 years ago when we first met. <laughs> yeah. Right? And I think if if I can leave any of our couples that are listening with anything here, it, it a lot of the clichés ring true and where people get stuck is they they discount the value in those clichés and they don't put the work in. 
Yeah. Communication is king. Support is king. Recognize when you're holding that other person back. Support them. Yeah. Recognize that their inability to understand something that you said or whatever, that those disagreements, it's not a it's nothing personal against you. They're in a specific spot. So a relationship is about supporting where one another is at and not only supporting, but also encouraging that growth and that change. And I think that's something if I could, you know, pat ourselves on the back, we have consistently been okay with change and evolution and growth. And that's something that's inevitable in life to avoid it is to avoid your life altogether. And I'm not interested in sticking my head in the sand and neither are yeah. you. And I think that speaks to why I think this it's has be- worked out for us. I think it's also because we've created such a solid foundation within our relationship. So there is a constant in our change. Yeah. Life is change. So with that being said, any last words that you want to leave? This is great. I mean, this is a really... This is fun. I appreciate you being I was, open I and was weirdly nervous, and, and then I, you know... I don't know. It was fun. It was. And I'm excited I, to interview you. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> you might need extra space on the, on the computer. Yeah. Um, guys, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you tuning in. I, we, I really hope that this lends some insight into just a kind of a glimpse into Melissa's journey to where she is now. Certainly if you have any questions um, or you just want to reach out and connect with her, I'll put some stuff in the show notes on how you can do that via social media. Uh, We are always open to having those conversations. We're open to meeting and chatting with people. So if you're struggling with something or you're just curious about something, by all means, reach out. uh, Share this episode with anyone who you think it may resonate with and uh, go ahead and give us a nice five-star rating on whatever platform you listen to the podcast on and we will catch you guys all next time Mm